Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard like the mythological Argus, the watchman who had many, many eyes and who Harris set the peacock's tail. Yeah, I don't know why. I just felt like talking about mythology. You'll get used to me. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host of the show. With me this week are two absolutely dedicated co-hosts who will adhere to the topic like a really good suction cup, like one with a dial that you can turn and just amazing suction cups that will make you want to hug people they're that good first up she she knows what i'm talking about and stickney and that was the strangest introduction <laughs> i'm trying to up my game look i've spent like the last four to five days trying to finish this bathroom remodel thing and it hasn't worked because we're still in the middle of it but yeah i'm tired <laughs> Ask me, than, ask me if I've played any the, video games. Have you played any video no. games? No. <laughs> You've just played this one video game where you're like a plumber? Except it's not fun. You don't get to go down any tubes. There's no Here, mushrooms. Here's here's the fun part about my house, right? My My house is a really fun house. And by a fun house, I mean that the man who built this place, he bought the land. He looked at the land. He said, I would like to build my dream house here. And that's about as much as he knew about construction. But he decided to give it a go anyway. <laughs> and that should tell you all you need to know about the quality of the home that I'm currently living in. I don't think he understood things, you know, things that normal people understand, like right angles um, or making things level. So, If you find a book in your attic at some point named The Necronomicon... Don't read it. No, but I think I I I haven't. When we moved in, the only thing that was in the attic was like a collection of really old magazines and JC Penney catalogs from like the 1930s. For some reason, um, did you keep I, them? No, we talked. Should have kept them. Uh, we did not keep them because he. It looked like there were enough up there that we were kind of half convinced that perhaps he was trying to insulate the attic with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, hey, JC Penny is extremely insulated. I don't know why you what the problem is. 
I think it was like six truckfuls trips to the 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 landfill to like the recycling center landfill wherever they went. I don't know. I was still in middle school at this point to get totally them all out of shoes. here. I totally could have gotten shoes in 1957. Dang it! Uh, the guy the guy started building this place back in I think like the late 1960s or something like that um and he did the lower level first and then he built the upper level on top of it because when he finished the lower level he decided he wanted a second story um and the stairwell i know that the stairwell that goes in 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 the middle of the house the one that goes up the atrium the stairs are actually dated 1975 um when he put them in way back when so yeah this whole place is a mess this whole place is a mess and trying to install anything or remodel anything is kind of a logistical nightmare. So that's been my weekend. <laughs> okay. Well, while Anne is going insane with uh, the dreams in the witch house bathroom installation edition, uh, <laughs> Alex, what have you been up to this week? A lot of Mass Effect Andromeda multiplayer. Um, I honestly have not really played any Blizzard games in the last week. Um, I'm feeling kind of burnt out on WoW. Uh, 7.2 didn't impress me as I expected. I don't know if that's because the patch was lame or if I'm just kind of in that period where I want to take a break. I don't know. So I've been playing other stuff just to reinvigorate myself. Yeah, I'm not playing... It's funny. I'm playing some of the max level stuff, but when I do play WoW nowadays, I kind of tinker around on low-level characters because I honestly feel like until the raid comes out and I get to see the lore inside the raid, I'm kind of not all that invested in doing i'll do the world quest and stuff because it's me i've been uh, doing i've been doing the world quest and trying to get the reps so that i can get flying but i haven't had a chance to play because remodel so yeah i i don't know i i do like 7.2 i know i like it more than alex does but i i do also feel kind of i guess low level anxiety about what's going to happen next which is weird. They've actually managed to get me so invested in the story that I'm a little concerned that Tomb of Sargeras isn't telling me what I want to know yet. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. And I was I was playing the world quests because um, b- constructing the buildings intrigued me initially. I was like, oh, that seems cool. These buffs seem cool. Um, we completed the first building, and I was like, that took a week, and it's only going to be up for three days. That's a week's worth of effort, and the bonus isn't even that good. I was like, all right, well, maybe the other buildings will be better. And now we've seen all of them, and the bonuses all are really underwhelming and, frankly, kind of hey, suck. Hey, I got eye-level 900 pants off of a world boss that was spawned by one of those buildings. So I don't know and, about you, but I found them useful. And it's things like, okay, so you get one invasion a day, and it's been like popping at like 2 in the morning or something, or... When I'm busy, supposed to be doing work things, I'm like, all right, no. <laughs> I'm just not going to care about this stuff. It's yeah, being obnoxious for the sake of being obnoxious. Invasions need to spawn more than they have. That, that'll, I'll give you that one. I, I feel that way, too. But the invasions themselves are fun. Like, I really yeah, like doing them. Do I find them, like, I find them very entertaining. They were really well done. Doing all the stuff at the, like, they, they have this nice build up to them. It's like you start out with your regular, oh, do four world quests, and then all of a sudden you jump into a scenario and there's all kinds of stuff to do. That's great. I just wish they'd spawn more often. Because I'd yeah, like I to do like them that, more yeah. often than once when it happens, when the stars align and the event spawns while I have time to do it. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, when Anne is working on her bathroom is a terrible time. That's when all the world, the invasions only spawn during that period. So you, you need to work on your bathroom more. I guess. I don't know. But uh, at this point, we should probably talk about news um, because, you know, even while we were writing the email today for this week's show, news happened in that the uh, 
Overwatch Uprising uh, was finally revealed. It's the, the new Overwatch event, which, if you're listening to us live, is on right now, from what I understand. It's April 11th to May 1st. There is, is a yeah. queue to get into Overwatch right now because a lot of people want to play it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I, I know enough about the story to talk about it, but if you know either of you, but you guys actually get to play Overwatch, whereas I can't. So uh, do you want to talk about it, either one of you, Ann? Well, it has a, a PvE component, right? Am I correct it's a about PV, that? It's a PV, it's got a PVE component with it, like with Junkenstein's Revenge. You know how that one played out? Yeah. It was okay. uh, Fight the Waves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where you go in as like predetermined, you have a predetermined cast of characters and you go in and you fight the waves and everything. That was super fun. I really liked doing Junkenstein's Revenge and the Uprising event. It's kind of like that. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, you can do, like, the standard Uprising mode in the arcade with the four Overwatch members that, like, ran the the original mission. So you got Mercy, uh, Reinhardt, Tracer, and then, was Genji there, or was it... Torbjorn. 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 I can't say his name. Anyway, Torbjorn was there. So you can run it with those four characters, and I think that it probably runs similarly to Junkenstein's Revenge, where it's like, you know, stage series of whatever to make sure that the payload goes where it's supposed to go and all that other... I haven't had a chance to play it, obviously. It just came out, and there is a queue to get into it. But along with that, there's a whole bunch of new skins, there's new loot boxes with new emotes and new new everything stuff to collect uh the new skins are fantastic i love them to pieces and i want them all <laughs> i love the new i feel like this is the expected response but i love the new uh widowmaker skin i think it's great the talon widowmaker yeah she's great yeah is it talon specifically if yeah, so yes yeah. she's talon talon widowmaker black watch mccree black watch genji black watch genji looks so good and so does McCree, honestly. They both look good. <laughs> and okay, then, I don't feel things... bad about saying it like the Widowmaker one now. Cause, uh... <laughs> one of the ones that I actually think was really amazing, uh, uh-huh. the, the, the things they're bringing this time, is that in addition to the normal uh, mode where you can go in with the, the four original people who did the mission, they listened to people who said that they liked Junkenstein's Revenge, but they didn't like having to play one of the four characters. And they put in another mode, which is still Uprising, Except it's uprising with any character you want. You can play so, with any character you want. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have the original experience and and go through and play with like Tracer, uh, Torbjorn, uh, Mercy, and Reinhardt, or you can do like you know you go can in bring with it Lucio Ariza. and Diva and a bunch of the other ones who weren't actually there when this whole uprising thing was going on. Because obviously, uprising it's about Tracer's first mission with Overwatch. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a big deal because we when they canceled the graphic novel, the the first thing they said is they're going to try and come up with different ways to tell story mm-hmm. instead of just having it be you know in tie-in media, and that's what this is. Yeah, and it's kind of um, I like the way that they're presenting it here. I know know your lore this week. I was going to write about something else. I had planned on writing about something else, but I'm going to be writing about this instead because the history and the background that they're showing here it kind of like expands what we know just a little bit more and i hope that they keep doing this i like this whole special event kind of roll things into a special event to present the lore um i'm still annoyed about the graphic novel and i wanted it but that's okay (laughs) i'll take this i will take this yeah um i'll just be i don't know if uh the little mission thing goes away at the end of the event and if so that kind of sucks because being able to see that is cool. If it's and like Junkenstein's Revenge, it's just a special event thing. 
Yeah, in Dragon Times Revenge, I don't mind that going away because it's like, oh, it's just a Halloween fun thing. But if this is actual like Overwatch story and it goes away at the end of the event, that sucks a little bit. But meh. Regardless, it's running from April 11th, so today, through May 1st. And you can get the loot boxes, you can get all of the stuff for it during that time period. Do we know, can you log in? Did they give you a free loot box upon login? I I don't know. Like they did no with the idea. last events. I'll have to go I check that later. In. I I can't even get in right now because, like I said, there was a queue there, and I think the queue was at like eight thousand people or something like that when I tried to log in to check. <laughs> and I said, "Okay, well, never mind. I have a podcast to do." <laughs> yeah, but also coming up, um, one of the less, you know, less breaking news sort of thing but 7.2 Wait, hold up before week. you say before you say anything else chat channel just confirmed yeah you log in and you do get a free loot box with the event oh, that's so. nice yes oh oh it actually brings up one more thing that uh, we hadn't talked about there's a one of the sprays that you can get is uh-huh. a is of ana amari baby farah and the man who is most likely baby farah's father because she's holding his finger in that way that you is almost universal shorthand for this is her daddy. Is it the uh, guy from the from the holiday comic? It almost certainly is, except you know it's we get to see him from the front. He's much okay. younger and he has long black hair. Okay. But he's very definitely not um, you know, anybody from Overwatch that we've seen before. And it seems pretty pretty well established at this point that that guy is is Farah's father. We know nothing about him. We don't know his name. We don't know, you know, who is he? Where is he from? What is, you know, nothing. But, you know, definitely seems to, if, if you've been steadily working on that Reinhardt Anna fanfic, I'm sorry to tell you that it's now non-canonical. Uh, that won't stop people from writing fanfic. I'm not saying say, stop maybe, you. Maybe they like the each other now. Go ahead and write <laughs> as many fanfics of as many combinations as you would like. I am not the fanfic police. I'm just informing you. <laughs> one of the other, one of the other, I think it was a spray, actually. I'm not sure. Um, that that was introduced with this was Reinhardt with his long golden hair. who's very pretty. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, this is still set 20 years after the Omnic Crisis. Yes. So... A timeline is being established here. This is what I'm appreciating, is there is a timeline that's slowly being established here. Even though Reinhardt is seven years younger than he is now, he's still old. Like, this is still old Reinhardt. He still don't get... This still isn't golden-haired Reinhardt from the poster. So, just keep it in mind. You're still going to get old Reinhardt. Uh, Also, yeah, we should probably talk briefly about patch 7.2, since Alex mentioned it earlier. Um, it's in its third week. Uh, as of right now, they've, you basically can start unlocking the quest to get your new, uh, your sixth follower. If you're doing the the class order hall stuff, oh, I gotta go do that later. Follower. Yeah, so that's that's opened. Um, I don't know. I think the Nether Disruptor just went away. I don't know what we currently have for for a building. I haven't checked today. It'd be but. the um, not the Nether Disruptor and not the Mage Tower, but the other one. I think yeah. went live. The Command Center. Is that Center, what they called right. it? Yeah, yeah um, it is the command center. And so yeah, that's up. I think the mage tower was close to being completed again, so we might even have the command center and the mage tower up together. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, right now, uh, people have already started getting flying done. Oh yeah. So there are people who are currently flying around because they took out the invasions uh, meta for the. Uh, the there was wall. yeah, there was a point there where in order to do flying, you had to get you had to get um, explore the broken shore. 
which everybody got day one. That was easy. You just walk around the Roman shore, discover all the areas. No big deal. Um, you have to get revered with Legion Fall, and that was kind of the lengthy process because it required you to grind rep, and you could only get so much of that per day, really. Um, and then there was also one where you had to complete each of the Legion invasions in every zone. So you had to do one in High Mountain, one in, you know, you had to do one in every zone. And yeah, the there were problem four with that, what people were complaining about was the fact that these invasions kept coming out at really odd hours. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 1130 at night, two in the morning, middle of the day when everybody's at work in the middle of the work yeah. week. It, 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 nobody could do them. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, to get every zone, it would have taken just like months of hoping it spawned at a time you could play forever it would have taken forever so they went ahead and politely removed that from from the achievement so all you have to do now is discover all of the areas on the broken shore which everybody has done and get revered with legion fall which isn't really i mean it'll take a little bit of time but it's not you know back-breaking amount of activity or anything like that i think i'm i'm like about halfway through um and I probably would have been one of those people that would have been flying today, except that I've been remodeling all weekend, so I haven't had a chance to do any rep work, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But in, in general, those that's the state of it right now. I think we're still like easily another month or two away from... They announced how when the Tomb of Sargeras is coming out, right? I remember this. I remember that when they said it would take roughly about 11 weeks to get through the whole campaign thing to the point where... Yeah. The raid like two would months go ahead away. And launch. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're like two months away from it, which yeah. is interesting to me because seven point two point five is already being discussed and it'll probably hit the PTR at some point. So we're seeing, you know, that might come out before the actual raid does, which would be interesting. Well, that's not that's not. I mean, that's not unheard of either because we had you know PTR patches and stuff that came out before the Nighthold was released. Well, the whole thing was, was part of the original expansion, really. Well, there wasn't their whole thing with seven two five is um or like balance patches. They said they weren't going to make any sweeping balance changes through classes in the middle of a raid tier. No. Um. So that's why they didn't do it before. And they're planning significant balance changes, like straight up, like removing and changing people's spells in some cases in seven two five. Uh, and if they don't want to do that in the middle of a raid tier, then they pretty much have to push it out. Yeah, it would have to come out before. Sargeras, which is interesting. No, it's so it that certainly people does have a chance to, to actually work with it and learn it before the raid comes out. Either that, or it's just going to be on the PTR for a good long time because there's a lot of changes going on. And I do know that all of the notes that they've been giving about the individual classes and their plans for 7.2.5 have been really detailed and really in depth. Like, they're looking at the classes right now with a really critical eye and when they're making these decisions. And not every class is going to have a major sweeping amount of changes, but they are tweaking things significantly for several. Okay, I um, also should mention briefly, because it was something that I found interesting, the uh, wolf in Halls of Valor, and I, I can't remember his name, Fenrir, Fen- is that his name? Fenrir, yeah. Uh, he was tameable. He's tameable now. You can and- now, yeah. He's not supposed to be, according to somebody who, like, I was reading in a Twitter exchange between uh, Bendak and one of the people who works on WoW. And basically, what was supposed to happen is it's supposed to be you solo your way up to him, and then you could tame him. But instead, if you clear Halls of Valor on Mythic and then leave and come back in half an hour, you can tame him. 
which is not the intended design. And we don't Weird. know yet. We don't know yet. This isn't like from a dev. This is from somebody just who works on the game. So I don't know if that's going to stay. So if you are a hunter and you want him as your pet, you might want to do Halls of Valor sooner rather than later. And I don't, but then again, go get him. I say this remembering the the fiasco of the tameable worgen in in Wrath of the Lich King. And I how many had people... that worgen. I had that yeah. worgen, and I was really happy about it because it was a pain to get, but I got him. And then they changed it, and yeah, he's not the, a worgen anymore. He's just a wolf, an ugly yeah, wolf. The, the tameable worgen in uh, Wrath was a big problem for a lot of people. Although nothing's ever going to beat the vanilla situation where there was a snake mob that you could get in Zulfarak. I remember it's the, that. It's the big spitting cobra. And they didn't take it away from people. They just made it so you couldn't feed it. So it would eventually, <laughs> it would eventually become unhappy and run away from you. And That's they thought, brutal. and here's the thing. My, my wife figured this out. Uh, I don't know. Other hunters probably did too. But the thing is, is that when you die in Warsong Gulch, when you come back, your pet automatically gets full happiness. So people who wanted so to keep this pet... <laughs> People if your snake's getting unhappy, go die in Warsong Gulch. Yes, that's literally <laughs> what they did. That's how they got around it. I think it probably worked at all battlegrounds at the time. So eventually Blizzard just said, all right, we're, we're, we made them tameable. Now it's not a big deal anymore. But yeah, I remember hunters are a tenacious bunch, so they'll they'll come up with a new way to do it if you, if well, you, you give them you remember anything. the original Spirit Wolf, right? Remember? Oh, God, I remember. My wife had dragged me out to that swamp and had me chain-casting heroism while she used a meta gem to, to cut her tame speed down so she could get that thing. I wrote the post for the original site on that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. God, these people are crazy. Help me. There's was... mind control involved and everything. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. It was... It was ridiculous. It was really, really ridiculous. Because that one, there was a mob that turned into a spirit wolf for a brief, like, second or two. And you had to get it to the point where you modified your cast speed, your tame cast speed, to where you could tame it in that two seconds or so that it was that mob, if I remember correctly. Well, no, it was, there was a mob who summoned it. It summoned it. Grim Totem Spirit Guide summoned the Grim Totem Spirit Wolf. And it was there for just like a second or two, right? It was there for like two seconds or 2.5 seconds. You could just get your your Tame Beast down to to tame it if you had a Metagem proc while Heroism was being cast, while you had somebody with Mind Control holding the Grim Totem Spirit Guide there to cast the the spell to summon the wolf when you're Gem proc'd. It was crazy. I was in that swamp for six hours. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and the I people, the I think the people that got hours. those spirit wolves, they were allowed to keep them, weren't they? I mean, they yes. took out the method to do it, but they were allowed to keep them because, I mean, they had gone to all that trouble. Yeah, because they had basically in later in Wrath, they added like the new families, like the spirit beasts yes. that were basically inspired by it. Yes. So there's a spirit beast version, but my wife has the original version that isn't a spirit beast uh, that you can't get anymore. She still has it. Like oh, she's got man. that. So, yeah. But uh, I guess that pretty much that covers it for this week. Unless something else, you guys got anything else before we move on? I don't think that there was anything else major that I can think of. Um, BlizzCon tickets, they went on sale and then they sold out as per usual every year. Yeah. Um, tomorrow. To, it, I don't know if it's because of how Universe works, their new vendor, or it seems like. This year, the BlizzCon tickets didn't sell out nearly as quickly as they did in previous years, but it just could be how the vendor does it, and that it takes longer to just to check out. I don't to know. To process. Yeah. 
But it, it, might it be seemed that. like, yeah, like previous years with different vendors, they were sold out in like a minute. And this time around, you don't get the sold out message through Universe until like 15 minutes after. But that just could be how they handle it as opposed to, you know, whatever. Other companies. Um, yeah. If you are listening to the show live right now, the last round of tickets are being sold tomorrow. And those are the ones that are for the BlizzCon benefit dinner. Um, proceeds from that. Which are like $750. They are $750. The proceeds from that goes to, uh, I believe it's Orange Orange County Children's Hospital. Children's Hospital of Orange County. Children's I only Hospital know of Orange County. Um, so the proceeds go to that, and what you get with that is you get your BlizzCon badge, you get your virtual ticket, you get your goodie bag, you get a signed piece of original key art. Well, it's not. It's a print. It's a print of the key art from BlizzCon, and it's signed by the artist. Everybody who attends gets that. And then the the big thing that you get with that, though, is you get to attend a dinner the night before BlizzCon, and it's a dinner with all of the developers and the people that have worked on all of the different Blizzard games. Um, the tickets are very limited. I believe there's approximately 200 or so of them available, and that's it. And once they're gone, they're gone. So there you go. And if uh, you're listening to the show on Thursday, sorry, they're sold out already. <laughs> and that'll happen. All right, well, uh, before we move on to emails, Alex usually does a little something here, and we're going to have him do it now. Sure. If you enjoy our show, consider checking out DegustaBox at blizzardwatch.com slash DegustaBox. It's a subscription box service that sends you uh, various grocery and food items as opposed to, you know, trinkets or whatever. This is stuff you can eat. It's usually items that are either fresh to market or niche items you might not have tried before. Uh, bring it. I, we mentioned this one last week, but bring it up again because last week I said it gave me some kind of uh, corn chip. After eating said corn chips, they're ranch flavored. Um, I looked at the bag. They're not corn chips at all. They were cricket chips. They are made out of cricket flour. Cricket chips. Uh, and I, I mean, I never would have tried that on my own. Mm-mm-mm. I, if I had read the bag, I would have known, but I didn't read till after the fact. So, uh, it, it's accurate that Degusa Box gives me foods I never would have otherwise tried if they hadn't sent it to me. So think, that's your thing. I yeah, just feel like you should you should clarify that they weren't just crickets smashed flat. They were like no, it was made of cricket flour. No, right, it, it was cricket flour. Like it, I, it wasn't like a bag full of crickets. If it was a bag full of bugs, I think I would have noticed before eating them. It's the the base of the chip was made with cricket flour, which is... For, for people that are horrified by the idea of cricket anything, you can't tell that they're crickets because they take... No. They, they grind it up and they make flour out of it. They use the flour to bake into these, like, tortilla chip-looking things. It doesn't look like crickets. It's just Yeah, it's it chips. didn't look like crickets. It didn't taste like bugs. It tasted like a good chip. So when I looked at the bag after the fact and saw it was made of crickets, I wasn't horrified because it actually, they were good chips. I didn't really care. But, Who um, knew? It was bugs a, are tasty. It, right. And <laughs> uh, I would not have tried chips made out of crickets if they didn't come in Degusta Box. So if you like trying weird stuff and being surprised, uh, check out Degusta Box, blizzardwatch.com slash Degusta Box. Back to you, Rossi. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line so we know it's for this show and not for the other show that we do. Um, and if you can keep them relatively short, like tweet length is perfect, but a paragraph or two is perfectly acceptable. That, that's, you know, we, we try and work with you, but it would be helpful for us because Ann has to read them out loud and, you know, that takes some time. And uh, speaking of that, now Ann will read some out loud. 
Okay, our first email today, it actually doesn't have a name on it, which I'm sad about because it's a really good question, but they said, hello, watchers, long-time listener, first-time writer. I have a question about the Russians from the Overwatch universe. What's the history of the particle cannon and powered exoskeleton that Zarya uses? Who designed it, and how did Zarya end up being the one who uses it? Additionally, there's some dialogue between Zarya and Diva about the, mm, I'm going to try and pronounce this, Svatagor? Yeah, my mouth doesn't make those noises. I'm very sorry. Um, The mechs. What are they, and do you think we'll see some in-game? Thanks for all your hard work. Listening to the podcast is probably the highlight of my work week. Um, Just real quick address the the second question here. Um, Those mechs, if you go to the Volskaya map and you see all of the mechs that are tromping around in the background of Volskaya, that's what those are. They're gigantic robots that were created, well, gigantic mechs that were created to counter the Omnic Crisis way back in the day. Um, that kind of exchange between Zarya and Diva was just, you know, they were talking about the giant robots. Um, as for the other stuff, you guys want to jump in? Uh, I'm going to point out that the word is pronounced Fiatago. Thank and you. And it's a, it's a Kievan Russian mythical Bogatyr knight. It's a, yeah, it's a, I know that it's like, it's just, yeah. I, I know what it is. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't actually know very much about the Russians in Overwatch. Like, they're the one part I haven't done as much reading on. So I don't really know the origin of Zarya's particle cannon and armor. But I, I, I assumed it was, like, not standard issue, but it was, like, made for the Omnic Crisis. I f- the second Omnic Crisis, right? Because they had two. Am I imagining this that... Wasn't the thing like Zarya's particle cannon? It was like on a fighter jet, and she ripped it off. Yeah, it was a piece of technology that was developed when they countered the first Omnic Crisis, if I remember correctly, and it was developed by Volskaya Industries. Volskaya, Volskaya has done most of the most of the technical work to counter the first Omnic Crisis, and then going into the second. Um, you can see that in what was it? What was the name of the Sombra animated short? can't remember. I, I don't say... remember the names of any of them. Okay. Yeah, I, I just remember that was the, the, the Sombra Anage. It was the one name. that premiered at BlizzCon. She had a deal where she infiltrated Volskaya along with Talon. So she was there with Reaper and Widowmaker. And supposedly they were trying to kill Volskaya, but they didn't do it. And Sombra made a deal with the woman instead. And at the very tail end of that, you see Volskaya talking to Zarya. So obviously those two have some kind of connection. Zarya wasn't really she was she was a weightlifter and she was kind of she was she was like a really well-known like world-renowned bodybuilder, weightlifter, strong woman as far as that goes. And when the Omnic crisis hit, she dropped everything and went back to Russia to go help combat this thing. And I'm not talking about the first one. I'm talking about the second one. The first one, she was born kind of in the wake of all of that. So she was raised in the wake of that original Omnic crisis and she saw what happened the first time it came around. That's why she returned when news of the second one sort of came to light, as it were, because she couldn't bear the thought of seeing her her country go through that again and her having done nothing to try and stop it. Um... So yeah, the particle cannon, if I remember correctly, like way back when they introduced Zarya, they said that she had just literally ripped it off of a piece of artillery and yeah. appropriated it for her own uses. As far as her armor goes, the exoskeleton and all of that, I'm assuming that Volskaya gave it to her. 
or she just found it somewhere. Yeah, so my interpretation of uh, chat says the short is named Infiltration. I believe that's correct. Yeah. My interpretation of Infiltration was uh, Volskaya is anti-Omnic. Sombra had dirt on them that they were actually getting a lot of their weapon designs from Omnics. Zarya hates Omnics. Is an ob- is a, it is oblivious to Volskaya working with the Omnics, and Volskaya is going to use Zarya against Sombra to bury that information. Is yes. what I got out of that. More than so likely. I assume everything Zarya has is from Volskaya. Not everything, everything, but that particle cannon that she ripped off of whatever piece of artillery she got that from, it was probably designed and engineered by Volskaya. Because I think almost everything that they used, you have to understand that Russia, they didn't, they weren't part of Overwatch. They didn't want anything to do with Overwatch. They said when the Omnic crisis came to a head originally, Russia said, okay, we're going to take care of this ourselves. And they didn't join in with any of the, the other global efforts that were going on. And they didn't, they took care of it themselves. They locked it down themselves. Overwatch didn't help them. They were alone. So Volskaya was one of those companies that had developed the kind of technology that allowed the mechs and things that allowed them to take care of the Omnic crisis themselves. They're a powerhouse. They're a, they're a technological powerhouse. So it's kind of interesting seeing all of this stuff going on behind the scenes and seeing that maybe Volskaya wasn't on the up and up as much as everybody thought they were. Um, and maybe this kind of weaves into that whole global conspiracy thing that Sombra's looking at. Who knows? I'm guessing we'll find out more in the future. I hope so. Anyway, uh, thanks for the email. I wish we'd gotten your name, but we didn't. And we're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, Our next email is from Wakia from Grizzly Hills US who is commenting about, I think about the Battle.net news that we got last week where Battle.net was shutting down and being replaced by the Blizzard app, as it were. It's just being renamed. Uh, They said, 20 years of Battle.net, both my wife and I have played continually since 2006 and we definitely remember a point when we got a message telling us we were required to link our Blizzard accounts to Battle.net. Was that not the advent of Battle.net? I'm so confused. It is that not is, the advent of no, Battle.net. No, not even close. Battle.net Battle was there for Diablo. Battle.net was originally what Blizzard called their multiplayer integration, basically. When their RTS games and their early games, like the original, like Warcraft 2 and Warcraft Orcs and Humans, when they allowed you to play online with other people, which was a cool thing back in the day, as opposed to something every game has. It was like uh, the created... next step for LAN parties. Yeah, it was. They created Battle.net. Battle.net was Blizzard's multiplayer platform when multiplayer on the internet became a thing. Uh, people were playing Warcraft 2 on Battle.net on their dial-up internet connection. Yeah, I remember when, like, I don't remember using it for Diablo, but I remember for Diablo 2, Battle.net was huge. It was very much a part of, it's one of the reasons that Diablo 2 became so popular and lasted so long. Like, Remember that Diablo 2 came out and then we didn't have another Diablo game for like more than a decade. Wasn't it and, was it originally introduced and implemented for Diablo 2 or was it StarCraft? I know it, it wasn't was, Warcraft. It's, it, was, it predates StarCraft because Warcraft 2 predates StarCraft. Warcraft 2 had it. Yeah, I, okay. I know that the actual words calling it Battle.net might have gone back to StarCraft 2. I know that whatever it was existed before StarCraft 2, but it Chat got channel huge. is saying that Diablo 1, the original Diablo, had Battle.net. So yeah, maybe so... it was for Diablo that they developed it. Okay, yeah, Wikipedia it says, good. Wikipedia says when the service initially launched with Diablo in November 30th, 1996. Ah, uh, Diablo, Battle.net, okay. 
Battle.net offered only a few basic services like chatting and games. So. Yeah, so it goes back all the way to 1996. So 10 years before you and your wife were playing, Battle.net was around. It's It's been around. When we said 20 years, we were off by a year. It's been 21 years. Uh, yeah, Battle.net. Battle.net can legally drink, except it also underwent a name change now. So It doesn't stop it from legally drinking. Yeah. It's just doing No, so when you change your name, name, page resets. So if, if I, <laughs> well, I, I got my name changed, I, I would gotta be change my name right now. I, I definitely yeah, could use an. It's a redo. Set. It's a redo. <laughs> well, anyway, um, yeah. So Battle.net has actually been around for a really, really, really long time. Yeah, we did get that message where you had to link the Blizzard accounts to Battle.net. It wasn't the Blizzard account; it was your World of Warcraft account. Originally, when you signed up for World of Warcraft, I want to say you had like a, a username or something like that associated with your email ad and it was separate from battle.net like it was a completely separate thing um i feel like i still have that but i'm not sure i do because i have two accounts under the same email address and those two accounts still use the usernames from way back before yeah i i still know mine because i keep seeing it yeah i remember that okay anyway uh wakia i hope that that kind of clears that up for you um, our next email is from Mist on Moonguard, who says, While waiting for my com- copy of Chronicle Volume 2, I recently started reading through Volume 1, admittedly not getting into it much because of that thing called life. I've been playing through some of the beginning Pandaria content again, and a question came to me as I was fighting Mogu. While I was reading through some of the creations of the Titans, I came across a section where the Titans created guardians to watch over certain aspects of what they created page 18 of volume 1 for reference and the indomitable mogu question were the mogu considered keepers at the time of creation and also how is it that we as players discovered them for the first time during Missa Pandaria if they were already established in lore as watchers slash keepers yours gratefully missed we discovered them in Missa Pandaria because we didn't know that Yeah, not like Pandaria was kind of locked don't. away for 10,000 years <laughs> yeah our characters don't carry around a copy of Chronicle yeah for that matter Chronicle is written from the perspective of this is what actually happened, but as Chronicle itself tells you, the world got blown up and a lot of stuff got lost. Like the the, the distance from Ulduar to Pandaria is pretty extreme. Uh, but yeah, the, the Mogu aren't keepers; they're Titan forged. They're a, a they're basically here to assist the keepers and the Watchers. The Watchers are the top tier; keepers are below them. No, it's the other way around. Keepers are top tier. Watchers is below them, and then there's all the various Titanforged races. The Mogu were one of those races. They may be created in, in Norushen's image. Uh, he's that, that Watcher that you find in the uh, the Veil of Eternal uh, Spring. Uh, no, it's Veil of Endless Spring. I can never remember if it's Endless Veil or Eternal. Veil of Eternal Blossoms. Blossoms. Eternal Blossoms, thank you. Uh, th- he's there. He's the guy who's in the chamber that they used to keep the heart in. When, when you see the heart of Yashraj gets taken out in a big chest, Norshen is the guy who is guarding it until you go in. There's even a scenario where you go in and get the heart. Um, that's Norshen's job was to watch that thing at that point. Previous to that, he came down with, uh, with Ra to, you know, set things up in the Pandaria area. And then they found that and had to deal with it. Yeah, these guys are, they are Titanforge. We didn't hear about them because it's not like the Titanforge go around telling us everything. When we got to Ulduar, they weren't like, by the way, here's a list of every single Titanforged race, just so you, you know, you're you not surprised when you go to some place and find some. Uh, that's that's all. Also, and that would make the game really boring. What what were the Mogu created for, Rossi? They make rivers. They were originally created to shape the course of water. They were river carvers. And then uh, when they started 
getting the curse of flesh, they kind of went nuts because they weren't, they asked Rod and what was going on, but he was hiding from them. He wouldn't tell them anything. So basically they were like uh, an army of robots that were made to create ocean ways who were sitting there going, what do we do now? And they weren't getting instructions. So they kind of went nuts. That's basically it. That's what they were for. The Moku are pretty entertaining. In yeah. General. It's really fascinating. Like the, the whole, you guys remember like when we were doing the leveling stream, when we did the uh, Mogushan palace, and we were complaining about the way it's shaped. Yeah. And it's it's really fascinating that the Mogu seem to have no conception of like getting from A to B in a in a reasonable way. <laughs> I don't maybe it's because of the whole water shaping thing, is they just they they take the most roundabout ways to get places. Okay. Throwing uh, asunder as well. And then our last email here is from AJ who says, Hey watchers, I was looking at the Warcraft cosmology chart and noticed that its depiction of the Void Lord perfectly matches Void Callers, those Void Walker spellcaster mobs from Burning Crusade. Lore says that Void Callers attract ghosts no. and spirits. What? Didn't we cover this one? Didn't we discover this one last week? Is this another one we covered before? I no. recall nothing about this. No. Okay, go ahead. We then. have not covered this. I think uh, I just read this email so many times, I'm sorry. He said, Lore says void callers attract ghosts and spirits similar to a dark Anaru, but they're separate from void gods, Anaru's actual anti state. So, throwaway mobs created the old gods. The Naru life cycle involves spending time as a purple backpack. Warlock pets are the universe's greatest threat? Not really sure what to make of this. It would make more sense for a void god like Entropus or a void lord like Dementius to appear in the cosmology chart, but they made the deliberate decision to depict a specific low-ranking and prolific class of Voidwalker instead. Is it possible the quote-unquote Voidlord simply refers to the collective consciousness of all Void creatures? If that's the case, why bother creating old gods when Dementius, a single Void creature, was able to destroy multiple worlds by himself? Thanks and sorry for the long email, AJ. I mean, Voidwalkers aren't really distinct creatures. They're a blob of inky darkness shadow crap. <laughs> they could represent anything Voidy, I think. If I mean... And if void walkers are void and these other things are void, I think they would pretty much look similar that they're shadowy, weird stuff. Right? No, I don't. I don't think that the void lords are supposed to be like there's a mob named a void lord. It's not the void lords. It's just a void lord. It's just a it's just a name for a mob. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's, it's a similar. Name, not an honorific or anything. Yeah, I don't, I, it's unfortunate that it, that it looks the same, but it it's not meant to be the same thing. And the reason they used it in the art was because it's cool looking. You know, it's it's a drawing. The cosmology chart isn't meant to be like, you know, it's got a lot of cool art in it. It isn't necessarily meant to represent any individual figures. Um, the Void Lords are unfathomable beings. They, they're not the guy you summon to, to punch things for you while, you know, your Void Walker is not the, the Void Lords. Uh, a, a mob that kind of resembles your Void Walker, but with some stuff on its shoulders, isn't the Void Lords. It's just a void entity. There's even some stuff in what was it? Is it Hellfire's Citadel where they they I think it's Gul'dan is working to fuse Fell and Shadow things together, make some kind of like Fell infused Voidwalker mob. That's isn't that one of the bosses? I think so, but I'm not 100% on that. This is going to sound rude. Um, I don't really intend it that way, but questions like this are kind of why I wish Chronicle didn't exist. Uh, people take those kind of things way too literally. They expect everything to completely 100% represent things as they should be. And if at any point in time, Blizzard decides to do anything slightly different from what's in Chronicle, people are going to flip out. And, and questions like this are kind of why that happens. That like people view it so literally 
so concrete that if something even has a similar name, they leap to crazy conclusions. Yeah, I, I don't think that the, you know, the Void Lords, you know, it's just a name for the entities that are so unfathomably powerful and malevolent that they hurled bits of pure not horror into our universe to corrupt worlds. And the reason that Dementius destroys planets, why that that's not good enough, because they're not trying to destroy planets. If they wanted to destroy planets, they could just do that. They could just send a bunch of, you know, as much void force as they wanted till they shattered a planet in half. That's not the goal. The goal is to corrupt the world soul. You want to make... find a world soul and they want to make a dark Titan out of it. That's what they want to do. Yeah. And that's Dementius is a brute force thing. Dementius came into a unit, into a world and devoured all the life in it. That's he wasn't trying to like corrupt anything. He wasn't he doesn't seem to be working for any specific master. He doesn't seem to be like necessarily doing the Void Lord's biddings. He's just a ravenous entity that wants to destroy everything. The Void doesn't seem to be like the Void is huge. It doesn't necessarily just because there are entities in the Void that are malevolent and powerful and call themselves Void Lords or are called Void Lords by us. We, for all I know, they don't call themselves anything. You know, if you're in an inky blood darkness, you may not feel the need for a name it doesn't mean that every void creature you see and run into is is on team void um much the same way that you can meet demons that aren't in the burning legion um there are demons that are in the iladari there are demons that are just plain old not in the legion there were demons before the legion existed the demons were so you could meet a void entity that's not on team void lord yeah and that's the thing like people you know that cosmology chart people viewing it so literally and so concrete that they feel every single individual entity needs to be categorized when like that's just not how things work. No, I, These I aren't think that cosmology literal chart concrete is, things. It, it's more showing kind of the ebb and flow and va- balance of the different forces in the Warcraft universe, but it's not meant to be taken as a literal kind of thing. Um, and as far as like the Void Lords, the depiction of the Void Lords and how they look like the Void Callers... Well, we don't have any actual illustrations of Void Lords. We don't know what they look like. They could be just, you know, big inky blob with no eyes, no nothing. It's just a mass of darkness. There's no real way to depict that. But we can depict some of the things that it's sent out or that have come from it. So maybe they put that in there instead. And yeah, Alex, I do get where you're coming from because the, the, the problem with stuff like Chronicle, and I think the reason why they kind of veered away from doing this kind of an in-depth study into the history of Warcraft for so long is because people tend to take it really literally and tend to take it as gospel. The thing is, when you introduce a history like this, as the author, you're the one who has the liberty to change that if necessary in the future. Just because you wrote it down once doesn't mean that it's that way forever and ever and ever and always. You can make adjustments. Yeah, in in a fantasy world, in a fantasy game like World of Warcraft, where the biggest appeal is fighting cool monsters, they need to have the creative freedom to make cool monsters, right? So, but if they create something we haven't seen before in World of Warcraft, like, okay, you're going to fight this awesome thing. Now people can be like, well, where does this fit on the cosmology chart? It doesn't fit in this category. That doesn't make sense. You you, you created a monster that doesn't work in your world. It's like, no, it's, you just fight it. You fight it, and it's fun, and you get loot. That's the point. Don't worry about this cosmology chart. It's just a cool thing in a video game. Have did, fun did with you, it. I, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but I think it actually does relate back have you guys seen the, the opening trailer for Destiny 2, the, the ad they have for it? Not yes. yet, no. There's two two characters talking. 
one character is a very stereotypical, you know, we are heroes here to defend the world against evil. And the other is very much a, you know, they came and they blew up our stuff. My stuff. <laughs> your he's a stuff. Rapscallion. My stuff. And they go back and forth. But the best part is he's like, you know, who's with me? And no one cheers. And everyone's like, oh, that was the worst speech. Everybody goes, oh, yeah. And there will be a ton of loot. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. That's kind of me sometimes. Like, I love World of Warcraft lore. Like, I, I, I'm way into it. Game stuff is great. I, I'm totally, I'm down. But sometimes you put a big monster in front of me so I can I kill killed. that thing. And crack it open and finally get that sword I've been trying to get for months. I didn't go back to Black to, to, to Blackwing Lair for six years because I was in love with the lore. Because I'd seen it. I'd done it. I, I knew the lore of Blackwing Lair at that point. I wanted that sword. And I was going to kill everything in that place over and over again until I got it. And I didn't care if you hadn't established how the chromatic dragonflight worked yet. Sometimes... It's okay. It didn't matter. They, yeah, they yeah, dropped and, crazy good loot. That's what matters. While we were talking about this, chat, the chat channel brought up one of my favorite bosses in World of Warcraft, and that's Murmur. I don't care where Murmur fits I in the cosmology chart Murmur at all. I love so much. He was cool. He made weird noises. I loved fighting him. He was great. The Does thing he about fit Mur in the cosmology chart? I don't know, and I don't care. The thing about Murmur is he really is kind of a, if you know the, the, his, the fantasy fiction, He's a nod to an old Robert E. Howard story. Yeah. And that's, it's just, sometimes you just got to have room for like the cool thing and you don't care. Like, you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I'm going back to Black. Do you remember the first time you did Black Fathom Deeps? Like yes. the very first time yes. you ran that dungeon? It was did terrible you... because we had to wait for everybody to get there. Yeah, it was terrible <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's that last room. There was you no summoning stone. No summoning stone. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. There's that last room where you fight the the caster. They they actually had a situation where they had a boss fight where you had to like pull him into the corner to fight him because there was trash mobs all in the back. Then you had to, to to clear through that room, do the thing that unlocked the door, which meant fighting waves, and then you finally get to fight the final boss. And all that build up, the final boss is basically just a big hydra. And yeah. the whole reason he's there is that somebody figures that he's probably sacred to the old gods because he's got multiple heads. That's it. That is why he he's He may there. be, he may not be. Somebody thought he was, so he's yeah. there. The original, sometimes the dungeon is just there because it's a dungeon full of like evil, crazy people, and it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. It doesn't matter if they're actually going to ever be, you know, are the old gods ever going to elevate this Hydra to, to rule the world? Probably not. They have other things to do. Sometimes but, it's just a bramble forest full of angry pigs. Yeah, and they drop a good sword. Yep. I, I want that transmog. I still want Excalibur. I still don't have Excalibur. It's been 13 years and I still don't have Excalibur. Because sometimes the boss, <laughs> mob who has it doesn't, isn't there. So, yeah. I don't know. I kind of lost my track here. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes you can, you can relax and it's not that big a deal. And, you know, this comes from the people who will sit there for like an hour and a half at like 4 o'clock in the morning batting back, back and forth whether or not this thing from like 2007 ties into this thing from 2012. And we will, you know, we'll sit there and we'll pick things apart and we'll put pieces together and try and make them fit. But it's, it's for fun. It's not that we expect any of the stuff that we come up with to be true. It's just, you know, in all 
of the different scenarios that we've been presented, which one of these is the most accurate? Well, we don't know, but it's fun to think about just because it's fun to think about. Um, doesn't mean that the writers have to go with any of it. Doesn't mean that the writers are going to go with any of it. They might go in a completely different direction, but we're having fun, you know, trying to solve the puzzle. Um, Chronicle, Chronicle may kind of solve some of those puzzles and give solutions to some of the questions that we've posed over the years and that other people have posed over the years, but it leaves enough empty space that there's still plenty of room for Blizzard to fill in additional details and maybe even change some of the stuff that they've already established in Chronicle if they feel it necessary to do so. It's just a historical kind of encyclopedia of everything we know has happened. But it's not everything. Everything would require, what, like 26 volumes or something like that? And maybe an extended... Yeah, considering, considering that in Chronicle 1 there's a 10,000 year jump. Yeah. Where they kind of just kind of gloss it as, you know, the Sundering <laughs> happened and now we're like... And, it's, and it's... then we're just going to fast forward and somewhere in the middle there was the War of Shifting Sands and then we're going to fast forward again. And yeah, there's still all that, that time period there that's just undefined things that they could fill with whatever they wanted, really. Um, it's not the be-all and end-all of everything lore related it answers a lot of questions but it leaves just as many and it even like brings up even more as far as that goes we've we've talked about this on lore watch though i mean we've talked about it a lot on lore watch um as far as the void lords and the void everything the whole reason that they're creating the old gods and sending the old gods out into the universe is because they're in search of these planets that have world souls in them. They're basically like the anti-Titans. The Titans are out there looking for world souls to cultivate them into new Titans and create more of themselves. The old gods are out there embedding themselves into planets looking for world souls in an attempt to corrupt them and create this dark Titan for whatever reason that the Void Gods want to or the Void Lords want to create a dark Titan. We don't even really know that beyond they're the void and they would like to take over the universe and get rid of the light. Maybe. I don't know if that... Was that ever clearly defined, Rossi? It wasn't specifically. What the ultimate goal of the void is, like what they're seeking to do with this dark titan. Do it they want to like they... end all existence? Or what What do they want to do? There was that... Yeah, it's when you read Chronicle, it, it's kind of vague as to whether or not they wanted... Like they, they're going to create the fell titan to destroy the universe or to corrupt the entire universe into something that they like. Because if remember, they want to destroy the universe, they could just sit back and let the Burning Crusade take care of that. That's what they're doing. Yeah, it's it, there's that whole thing about how the light originally was all that existed, and then there were shadows and, and eddies, and in the eddies, the darkness formed, and that's where the void comes from. Yeah. And so it's possible they just want to change the entire universe into something seething with void energies and is voidy. That's Maybe. That's entirely possible, but... Being the the thing is that the void lords and the old great old the, the old gods aren't sane. They're not rational beings. They don't think at all. Look at their followers. Do, Look yeah. at Cho'Gall and his minions. They yeah, really and, do not have their heads on straight. Yeah, at all. Cho'Gall has yeah. Cho'Gall has two heads, neither of which you know can hold one opinion. Um, <laughs> Cho'Gall is and Cho'Gall and his followers are sane compared to the actual beings they're following. Um, the, the, in fact, the old gods are like anti-sanity. They, they, they are made of, of crazy. That's what they are. And so trying to, to ascribe understandable motivations to beings that created the beings that are trying to warp the planet into a monstrosity that, unlike anything ever seen, 
might not work. You um, can't really make sense out of the void because the void is anything but sensible. Yeah, basically, it, it it goes back to the whole Lovecraftian thing. They're they're they they were literally fighting crazy. Yep, and that's pretty much how that goes. Anyway, uh, thank you for the email there, AJ, and. That pretty much kind of wraps us up. Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Again, if you have an email for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. I'll put, you know podcast or blizzard watch in the subject line so we know it's for this podcast thank you guys very much for listening and being here and we will be here next week hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.